excited to be with you guys. I, I know I, I say this often, but it's just so true. What a blessing it is to get to share with people uh, the Word of God. It is just uh, it, it's something I never thought I would be doing in my life ever. And then as God began to reveal that path to me, it was something like, well, God, now how's that going to work? Like, how, how am I going to do that? What do you want me to do? Um, and it's just incredible what He has done in my life, and I know it's incredible what He has done in your life as well. So don't ever forget about your story because it is so important to what's going on. I can't mention VBS enough. Uh, it's too important to us and our opportunity to reach out in the community. I'll talk a lot more about it next week as a part of actually the message next week. But uh, when I thought about this weeks and weeks and weeks ago about uh, this, this sermon series in Jonah and how I've never done that before. I've taught from Jonah. We've talked about Jonah before. But, but what does that look like in this context? Because so many of us have heard the story before, and those that haven't, like I said we, last week, we got to get you enough information so that you can understand the story of Jonah. But the reality of it, and I'll mention it several times today, that probably not too many of us are going to fall out of the boat when we're fishing this summer and get swallowed by a great fish because we're not doing what God told us to do. So, so how does that work in our lives? But beyond just seeing the grace and the mercy of God toward the people of Nineveh, Beyond that part of it, we, we know that. We know that that's our God, and if we don't know that, I'm so grateful to get to share it. But how does this apply to us? What is it that we today are running away from? Now, I know right away when I said that, especially men in the room, you're saying, nothing. I'm not running away from anything. You know, you're, you might, that might be accurate in your life in this moment. That is a possibility but there's likely at some point in your life where you tried to escape from something that exists out there. Now, in today's world, we have a name for that because we have a name for everything. We need isms, right? Lots and lots of isms. So we have escapism now. That's a real thing. It's defined according to Google this way. The tendency to seek a distraction and relief from an unpleasant reality, especially by seeking entertainment or engaging in some kind of fantasy. Now, that's a very modern-sounding definition, is it not? Now, unfortunately, what used to be pretty harmless in life, harmless avoidance, maybe, is what we used to call it, and now has become oftentimes very dangerous and even deadly in some people's lives. And so, when you look at your life now, is there anything that you're avoiding trying to deal with or having to deal with? Think of it. Is it your work? Is there something at work that you're avoiding, that you're trying to not deal with? Are there responsibilities in your life that you're just not willing to own up to? Maybe there's a relationship difficulty in your life that you're trying to escape. Maybe it's your deteriorating health. Maybe things just aren't going well. Maybe it's your poor eating habits. Maybe it's lack of exercise. Maybe it's your financial status, your goals, your aspirations. Maybe it's your personal life. There's personal issues that you're just putting off, or maybe it's your past, and you're trying to escape those things that happened. I read an article all about escapism, and it, it defines some of the things this way. It says, escapism occurs when you're trying to avoid something. It can be, come in all kinds of different forms. Some people seek escape by seeking out alternate activities, sleeping, playing. Some drown themselves in work. Why is it that you're drowning yourself at work? Is it because you have to? Are you avoiding something else? Some immerse themselves in addictions, emotional eating, smoking, alcohol, other drugs. Some physically run away from their situations, like the main character in our story, Jonah. 
Some go as far as to literally migrate, move to an entirely new location to avoid whatever it was so they can start brand new. In life, people are trying to escape a variety of things. No matter what they're trying to avoid, it ultimately boils down to these few things. Usually it's their fears, their deepest sorrows, their pains, their past, or some type of disappointment in their life. In other areas, you might see people escaping from things as simple as this. A socially shy person might try to escape or be away from large public gatherings. Makes sense. People who have passionless jobs. Why? Because they're afraid of of failure if they pursue what they love. Or they're afraid to find out that there actually is something or somewhere better for them than the place that they currently are, so they avoid that. People avoid challenges because they're afraid of the supposed pain and suffering that might go along with those challenges. People avoid their past because they're reminded of sorrows and things that have occurred. People avoid their issues because they don't think they have any strength to face those issues. There are even some who basically spend their whole lives trying to escape from that reality or their issues. So let me ask again, what are we running from. See, it can be so ingrained in our lives that we don't even realize we're doing it. It just becomes a part of who we are and the way we live. But is that who we should be? Is it who God created us to be? Or is it keeping us from becoming who God wants us to be? That's a very, very important question as we look at this story today. We're going to look at the very first chapter of Jonah, the whole first chapter today. So if you've got a Bible or your app on your phone or your tablet, whatever, please open that up. If you don't, there's Bibles underneath those seats in front of you. Grab one out, turn to Jonah chapter 1, and we will be off to the races. It begins this way. The word of the Lord came to Jonah, son of Amittai. Go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it because its wickedness has come up before me. But Jonah ran away and hid and headed for Tarshish. He went down to Joppa where he found a ship bound for that port. And after paying the fare, he went aboard and he sailed to Tarshish to flee from the Lord. Now, there's a couple of ways that you can look at that passage. This story focuses on Jonah. Jonah is a believer in his God. Ultimately, then it focuses on his interactions with the people of Nineveh. Now, we know that Jonah was a believer because God pulled Jonah out, called him aside by God to take this message to the Ninevites. But something that I have to remind you of, we're going to spend most of our time focusing on that perspective this morning, but every time we gather, we must remember that there are people listening that that aren't in that relationship. They are not a believer yet, and so we have to talk to those folks as well. It's so important. They don't know yet, but the Holy Spirit is working on them. Wherever they're watching this today, wherever you're sitting and hearing this today, the Holy Spirit is working on you. Now, if you are not a believer yet, you might sit there and go, well, how on earth would I know that the Holy Spirit is working on me? What is the Holy Spirit? What does that even mean? Here's some very basic, basic insight for you. I want to ask a question. Why are you listening today? How do you think that you got here? Because there's a reason you're here. Why do you think God has you listening wherever on planet earth you are listening today? Why do you think God has you listening? You see, the Holy Spirit is working on you right now, and you might not have even realized it. Here's the cool thing. He is calling you, probably not calling you to go to Nineveh, but he is calling you to come to him today, and you can do that right now wherever you might be. You might be listening and think that you're not ready to come to him today. You know what? That's okay. (laughs) 
That's okay. God is patient with us. He's not changed. He doesn't want any of us to perish, but all to come to an eternal knowledge and eternal life with him in heaven. But, but can I ask you a question? Why? Why wait? What is it you're waiting on? What is it you're waiting for? Think very deeply about those questions and think very deeply about your reason, your answer to those questions. Because here's the thing. God hasn't placed any barrier, any boundary, any, anything in between you and him right now in this moment. So there's no reason not to come to him. Now, you might not see yourself as running away from God. Okay, fair enough. But I want to present it to you this way. Every moment that you spend of every day not making that move is another trip to Tarshish. The storm's right there waiting for you. And God's saying, hey, it'd be a lot easier if you just come to me now, trying to put off what God wants you to do. Today could be the day that you jump out of the boat into the water, surrender your life to him, and thankfully, there's not a giant fish waiting in our baptistry here behind me. So that's a good thing. Yeah, it's true. It's true. Back to Jonah, all right? His unwillingness to follow God's really quite simple direction. What was he escaping from? Was he really trying to escape God? No, he knows he can't do that. It's not possible. This was a form of escapism. He wouldn't have ever used that word because we invented it, but this is all it is. He was physically running away from a situation that he was not comfortable with. Jonah didn't like the people of Nineveh, period. He saw them as evil pagans. They're taking over the world. They're attacking his own people. They live lives completely void of God and what Jonah knew is the morality of the laws of God passed down through Moses. Jonah saw this civilization as absolutely deserving of the wrath of God and they should be destroyed, said Jonah. God's justice would prevail, he thought. As a believer, this was Jonah's view of the world outside of the Jewish faith. So the question becomes for us, do any of us see the world around us in that same light? Have you ever asked the question, God, why don't you do something? God, why don't you just destroy all these people making all of these choices? You see, Judah, Jonah had a prejudice against the people of Nineveh. In his eyes, they were, they were way beyond help. They were way beyond the hope of the Lord. This trait has been passed down through generations of believers all the way to modern day Christianity. You see, the disciples couldn't understand why would Jesus talk to the Samaritans? Why would he hang out with those people? Jesus, don't you know who they are? Is that any different than Jonah? No, not at all. The religious leaders couldn't get past the fact that Jesus would hang out with tax collectors and prostitutes and others. Jesus, can't you? Don't you know who those people are? You can't help them, right? Oh, well, that was them. That was back then, right? We'd have never done that in our culture, have we? No, 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 no. Has anyone in the church ever looked down on someone, maybe because they were a little different from them? Maybe it was a different skin color. Maybe it was a different socioeconomic level. Maybe it was the clothes they wear. Let's go back a few decades or the length of their hair. Yeah, they weren't. Why? Well, we can't have those kinds of people. Maybe it's the music they like, the tattoos they've received, or the piercings that they have today. 
Who are we to say that God's not for them because he is for them? Absolutely. Maybe it's people that are currently, right now, living a lifestyle full of sin, like the people of Nineveh. Have you ever had any of those thoughts? Or viewed any of those people as anything less than someone who was made in the image of God, whom our Savior, Jesus Christ, offered his life for? Because if you have, then you're probably just like me. Because we've all had sinful thoughts. We've all thought that about various people at various times, and we need to repent as the church and embrace anyone who's willing to listen about our Jesus in hopes that they come to repentance, not run away from the opportunities to reach out to them. So how do you view the people around us? Do you see them like Jonah? Do you see them like this great city of Nineveh, which, who, which would really, really all Jonah wanted to see was that great city completely burn? That's all he wanted to see. Or will we take the words of the half-brother Jesus? His name is at the very end of the Bible in the book of Jude. And will we put on our fire suits and will we run in and snatch others from the fires of hell that rage all around them? You see, our God hasn't changed any at all since the time of Jonah. He places the exact same call on each and every one of our lives as he did the life of Jonah. And we have his word right now, right here, to take to them. We have his love and his grace and his mercy to offer them if, if we're willing. Jonah didn't understand God's grace, not for the people that weren't of his Jewish faith. Do we understand that God has the same desire for the world all around us today? Or are we simply looking for a way out? Verse 4. Chapter one. Then the Lord sent a great wind on the sea, and such a <clears throat> excuse me, such a violent storm arose that the ship threatened to break up. All the sailors were afraid, and they all began to cry out to their own God. They threw cargo over to lighten the ship. But Jonah, but Jonah, well, he'd gone below deck to take a nap, you see, because that's what you do, I guess. He was in a deep sleep. The captain went to him and said, How on earth can you sleep? I'm sure there were some other words that he probably used as he approached Jonah. Get up, call on your God. We're all calling on ours, you call on yours. Maybe he'll take notice so that we will not perish. Everybody believed in some God back then, it seemed. Jonah was trying to go 2,000 miles in the wrong direction west toward Tarshish over in Spain when he could have gone just 500 miles over to Nineveh. You see, and some of you have learned this in life, when you try to run from God, the trip you're on is always longer and always harder than it was if you'd have just stayed with him from the beginning. Now what's happened? Well, he sacrificed the contents of the ship, the profits that they're worth. He's put his own life and the life of the entire crew now in danger. What are they going to do? Now, you might be able to look at your life and like really practically rationalize this story and go, you know what? Um, I, I don't really think that I'm doing any of those kinds of things in my life. Uh, by failing to do what God has called me to do, I'm, I'm not sacrificing the profits of my company, am I? I'm not putting anyone else's lives at risk, am I? Certainly, certainly my own well-being is it at stake, or is it? Let's make it really, really practical. You could say, Pastor, Pastor, I, I'm... I, I don't really think God is calling me to modern-day Mosul, Iraq, the home of the, the former ancient Nineveh. And, and I would confess, 
You might be correct. He might not be calling you to Mosul, Iraq. (laughs) But let me hold this out there. He might be. I'm just saying. He could. And there's nothing wrong with that if he does. You could also say that, you know, unlike Jonah, God has not given me a all-inspiring, life-changing, potentially entire culture-altering message to take to the people around me like God gave to Jonah, right? On this point, I'm going to have to be brutally honest with you and tell you, no, absolutely not. You are incredibly wrong if that's the way you feel. God has given you the greatest news of all mankind's history to share with other people, to share with anyone that will listen and even those who don't want to sometimes. You've been empowered with a life-giving, life-changing, eternity-altering power of Jesus within you, the knowledge of how he came, how he lived, how he died, and how he resurrected for every one of us so that we can be with him for eternity. And then he takes it a step further. He's given you a story. You have a story of how he has changed your life. And you get to share that story with other people. But pastor, but pastor, God has not spoken to me like he did Jonah to tell me to go and tell people my story and to share him with him. Uh, He hasn't? He hasn't? I think we covered this just a couple weeks ago. It's Matthew 28, beginning in verse 18. Go make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teach them to obey everything that I've commanded you. Yes, he has. Don't tell us that he hasn't. But pastor, I'm not running from God. I'm old. I can't even run. What are you talking about? As a matter of fact, pastor, I'm right here. Look, I'm in church. I've been here my whole life. Great. Maybe you have. Maybe you haven't. But are you guilty of the same sin as Jonah who was asleep at the wheel? He was just sleeping below deck like nothing was happening around him. I came across this quote. Listen carefully. Jonah was asleep amid all the confusion and the noise. Oh, Christian, for you to be indifferent to all that is going on in such a world as this, for you to be negligent of God's work in such a time as this is just as strange. The devil alone is making enough noise to wake a thousand Jonas. Wake up. Charles Spurgeon. That was a few years ago. (laughs) All around us, there's tumult, there's storm. Yet some, like Jonah, some professing Christians like Jonah, we go to sleep in the sides of the ship. The storm is raging all around us. Are we asleep? Are we ignoring the crisis? Are we too busy with our own lives to spend any time serving the Lord, loving others, and sharing Jesus? Are we content sleeping in church each week while those around us are dying? Yes, it's that important. And let me just be honest, Pastor, this might sound harsh, but you know what? Maybe I'll get to that later. Or never. That's been our attitude. It's not like God's going to have me swallowed by a giant fish. What do I have to worry about? I'm safe. Welcome to the story of Jonah. Verse 7, then the sailors said to each other, come, let us cast lots and find out who is responsible for this calamity. They cast lots and it fell on Jonah. So they asked him, tell us. 
Who is responsible for making all this trouble for us? What kind of work do you do? Where do you come from? What is your country? From what people are you? Who are you? He answered, well, I'm a Hebrew. I I worship the Lord, the God of heaven, who, uh, by the way, made the sea and the dry land as well, which I know you'd like to get back to. Yeah. Jonah knows the whole time it's him. It's not a mystery. He knows that God has all power and all authority over heaven and earth, the wind, the ocean, the rain, even the fish obey him. But Jonah, not so much. I guess he thinks he's unique. I don't know. It's interesting that the pagan sailors who don't even know the Hebrew God are instantly in fear of this Hebrew God, while Jonah just kind of shrugs things off. He takes a step further then. He, he prefers his own physical death over taking the life-giving, life-giving forgiving, eternity-altering message of God to the people of Nineveh. Now, this terrified them, and they asked, what have you done? I mean, imagine the expression, what did you do? They already knew he was running from his Lord, but what is it that he did that was so bad? The sea was getting rougher and rougher, so they asked him, what should we do to you to make the sea calm down? To which Jonah replies, well, you know, pick me up, throw me in. I'm sure it'll, it'll come calm then, and I know it's my fault, so it's a great storm. Okay, we're good. So what did the men do? <laughs> they didn't listen to Jonah. They started rowing like crazy, trying to get back to land, but they couldn't get there. The sea grew wilder and wilder. They cried out to the Lord, please, Lord, do not let us die for taking this man's life. Do not hold us accountable for killing an innocent man. For you, Lord, have done as you please. So they took Jonah, they threw him overboard, and the raging sea grew calm. And at this, the men greatly feared the Lord and offered a sacrifice to the Lord and made vows to him. Now, Verse 17, the Lord provided a huge fish to swallow Jonah, and Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. Now, even the fish of the sea obey God. Jonah's having a difficult time with that. For me, it's hard to imagine the scene. I've never been at sea under a big giant storm, and I hope to never be at sea in a big giant storm, quite honestly. Let's just leave that there. There's no emotion really recorded in the story, so God leaves it to our imagination, which he, I believe, gives us to put ourselves in situations like this and imagine what would it have genuinely been like. These men, tough, angry sailors, are scared for their life. They're panicking completely. They fear at very least the destruction of their ship, at worst, the taking of their own lives. Jonah, however, seems to be kind of chill about the whole thing. I envision him sitting down to play the game of euchre they played to cast lots, all the while knowing what's going to happen. He won the game, so to speak, and he just sits back and says, you know, imagine that. Look at that. It was me. Who knew? So sorry, guys. I guess this is probably all my fault. I should have warned you. My bad just totally casual about, I don't really see him freaking out about the whole thing. I really don't. I see him just relaxing. Here's the thing. I know something that would probably fix it. Hey, guys, just, just throw me in the water. That'll probably calm everything. It'll be just fine. Don't worry about it. But here's the thing. Guys, my life, it's pretty much over anyway. And God doesn't have a use for me in my life anymore because um, I'm certainly, I'd rather die because I'm certainly not going to take this message to the people of Nineveh. So just, just throw me overboard. Now, the reaction is to go back to shore, not to listen to him. The reaction makes perfect sense. If this God is truly this powerful, 
then what's he going to do to us? If we kill this man who's his prophet, what on earth is he going to do to us? It makes sense that they would react the way that they do, but nothing changed. The storm rages and gets worse. And we see Jonah hanging out on deck. He's probably just looking over the edge going, guys, you're going to have to throw me in the water for anything to happen. Just waiting patiently for that whole scene to take place. And then the most famous part of the story of Jonah, where he gets swallowed miraculously by this great fish. Now, I talked about it last week. It is completely, 100% unbelievable. It is miraculous. It is supernatural. And here's why I love it so very much, because I can believe it. And I can believe it because my Savior believed it and taught it as truth. But the second reason I love it is because my, my Lord and Savior, not only does he believe it, but because it shows the love and the mercy of God for every including the ones who refused to follow him. In my estimation, he should have let Jonah drown. What good is he? Jonah's right. That attitude is correct. And God says, no, I'm not done with you yet. I don't, it doesn't really matter what you want in this moment. I have something in store that's even better for you. And God saves him. As Jonah runs and tries to end it all, God saves him. We'll pick up on that part of the story next week. So for this week, how do we wrap this up with us? How do we close focusing on us and what God might have in store for us through this message? Well, I mentioned earlier that it's not like God is going to cause us to be swallowed by a big fish because we don't share Jesus with other people. If we don't use our gifts and our skills and our talents, if we don't use our businesses and our professions as a means to share the love of Jesus with others, he's probably not going to have you swallowed by a fish. You're right. But I dare to say that maybe you're already there. Maybe you're already inside of that great fish. Let me explain. Jonah was saved, absolutely. But he was saved into a pretty awful environment. Now, don't be too grossed out here. But I'm going to remind you that Jonah was in the, whale, in the belly of a, of a giant fish. And everything that would have normally been present in the belly of a giant fish would have been present in the belly of a giant fish. All the smells all the fluids, you get the picture. I'm just saying that wasn't a pleasant environment to exist within, right? What about us? He saved each and every one of us that have accepted him as our Lord and Savior. But God will too leave us to exist in, quite honestly, a pretty miserable environment, almost a form of spiritual death if we're not willing to pursue him if we are not following him, if we continually ignore his call to repent, to forgive, to love, and to share that love of others uh, with others, he's going to leave us there in this spiritual rut where we'll just feel like we aren't growing, like things aren't just happening. And that spiritual rut so often causes people to walk away from their faith. And that is a sad, sad choice, because it is a choice that people make. And it is absolutely the example of Jonah. I started, I shared this with you last week, that my prayer for this series was to take the story of Jonah that so many of us know and make it a story about us. How can we avoid the trap that Jonah fell in? Ah, was it a trap? I don't think so. How can we avoid the path that Jonah intentionally took? God's word is alive and it's active. And it's sharper than any double-edged sword. And so without changing a single word, without changing any meaning or any context of this text, God can use this story to challenge us today 
in incredible, incredible ways. So if you've never come to Jesus yet, he welcomes you today. And I want to be really honest with you. You can't run from God. You can't run from God without going right through him on your way to a path where he already is as he walks right alongside you the entire time. It's just not possible. So give up and give in. Believer, we can't run from his plans for our lives. He has plans, great plans for each and every one of us. And you, cannot, you can't get past them. Now, you can ignore them, absolutely. You could ignore them your entire life, but they're going to persist. And it's likely that your spiritual life will suffer the longer you ignore them. You probably won't experience much spiritual growth in your life. Your prayer life will grow stale as you know the good you are to do, but you keep putting it off. Now, our brother James calls that sin. When we know the good we ought to do and we don't do it, that is sin to a believer. So you might have the Ten Commandments all checked off. Yep, I haven't done any of those things. Okay, maybe you haven't. Congratulations. But have you ever been told what to do and you didn't do it? You know that good you're supposed to do and you didn't do it. That was sin. You disobeyed God. Yeah, it's in there. So what is keeping you in the fish? You're stuck there. Get out today. Father God, what an incredible story the life of Jonah is. There's so many things. We, we always focus on just the one miraculous element, and it is truly incredible, the display of your power, marvelous. But Father, in a day and age where uh, people discount those miracles or don't believe those miracles, Father, there's, there's an even more practical thing that exists within there, and it's a challenge to each and every one of us. We need to believe in the miracles because they're truth. Father, we need to believe in you because you're the truth. And Father, we need to follow your paths for our lives. Each and every one of us listening today, Father, you have in advance prepared good works for us to do. And it's up to us, just like Jonah, whether or not we pursue those good works, whether or not we do those good works in our lives. Maybe we're looking around our life right now. Maybe we work at a large, giant corporation. Maybe we own our own business. Maybe we stay at home with our kids and we look at our lives right now and say, God, I don't really feel like you're calling me to any good works we got to open our eyes. we got to open your word. we got to look at the people around us and discover those good works. You're not hitting them from us. They're right there. We've just been unwilling to see. Father, open our eyes today to those good works you would have us to do. Let us not run from you or even try as Jonah. Let us not give in and throw the towel. Let us strap up for battle and run into the fire to save anyone who's willing to come out with us even if they're kicking and screaming along the way. Father, you know who those people are. Father, we love you. Help us to never deny you again. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.